Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. There's no Halloween talking tonight. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to be muted at this time. Thank you for coming to Health Checkup Call tonight. We're going to say, what's up, Doc? Um, What to do to get ready for your doctor's appointments and how to be a self-advocate. Um, so I hope everyone's doing well. If this is your first time calling, um, I pretty much, um, Jay, are you here? Yes, Uh, I am. Hey, Jay. Um, Jay has also a medical background. I am a current licensed critical care respiratory therapist and happy respiratory care week. Go hug your favorite therapist. And for the first time in my 28 years of being a licensed practitioner, Um, it's the first time I don't have to explain to somebody what a respiratory therapist does because I lost my sight three years ago, September 25th of 2017 was my last day at work. Um, because, um, at 1230 in the morning while at work is when I, my, both of my retinas detached, but this call is not about me. This call is since I've joined this community is to focus on helping everyone in the community to understand why we do what we do in the medical field and why we ask the questions we ask. And I'm so excited to have Jay on the call with us because not only did he have street experience, in other words, he was a paramedic, he also has a medical side of the other side. So I'm going to take a few minutes. Jay, give us a history of your medical background. I was a uh, firefighter paramedic for about 19 years. I also worked in the hospital for also about the same time period for 19 years. I also got to visit the doctor's office several times during that time period. Um, So I can be able to help you out in both sides of it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. And as I'm learning, there's others in the community. But just a reminder that any information that is shared on here is strictly informational and you need to follow up with your medical team. We are not giving any medical advice. We are just giving recommendations. Um, On that note, um, serious um, moment. I want to say that in the in the. Management of your health, I want you to consider it as a team. And the team is made up of a head coach and special, special, sorry, I just got an alert for the hurricane. Um, And the others that are on your team might be special teams, such as a cardiologist, a podiatrist, a mental health counselor, um, endocrinologist, a renal There are neurologists, there are tons of doctors that specialize. But the one thing that will not change as you go from doctor's office to doctor's office is the most important person of the team, and that is you. You need to consider yourself as the MVP. That is the most valuable player. 
And what do you guys know about the most valuable player? It doesn't matter what sport it is, if it's baseball, football, hockey. Oh, don't get me started on sports. Right, Jay? Yes. <laughs> um, but you need to remember that you're the most valuable player. That means you have a voice. And it's important to know that everyone is human first. That includes your doctors. And, and you can say yes or no to whatever treatment. Exactly. But the other thing is, is um, we enjoy watching ESPN and our sports, but we don't have ESPN. So it is so important that before you go to the doctors um, or when you're riding the bus into your doctor's appointment, you make a list. You make a list of anything that is going on that your doctor doesn't know about. Because if you're having thinning hair, you, if you only see your doctor once every three, six, or a year, he's not going to remember, he or she is not going to remember, oh, Janie, your hair is thinning. What's going on? And if your weight is fluctuating or if the certain, um, your sleep patterns, oh, that's another thing. I will be doing a call on sleep. Um, if you're not sleeping right, if you're not, you know, having digestive problems or anything, the doctor is not going to know unless you speak up. So it's very important that prior going to your doctors, make a list. Make a list. And I always say, Jay, just like our assessments, we start from the head to toe assessment. Right, Jay? Definitely. <laughs> so the first thing you want to do is do a self-check and say, okay, what's going on in my head? How's my mental status? Am I good? Do I have stuff going on that I might need to talk about? Um, am I cognitive? Am I remembering things? Am I forgetting things? Is everything okay? Because unfortunately, some of us might have different multiple disease processes going on. And our medications that we can take can cause side effects. And there's this one disease process that we are all affected around the world. It's called stress. And I don't know if you guys heard about it, but there's like this little pandemic thing going around. And the whole world is very stressed because of the changes in our schedule. So just to give you a little insight, you can call your insurance, your Medicare um, company as well. And right now, Mental health support is free till January 2021 because it is so important that we keep our mental status in check. Because of us changing our patterns of not being able to relieve stress, like I normally like to go swimming in the pool or go to the gym. Yeah, that's not happening so much now. So check the brain. Then the next thing is, is okay, what's going on? Am I, is my hair thinning? Is my hair changing? Do I have extra facial hair or not facial hair? Do I have hair coming out of my nose, my ears? Um, the other thing is, is hearing. Is your hearing check? Do I need to get a hearing check? When was my last hearing check? Make sure you talk to your doctor about, you know, is it time for me to get my hearing? It should be once a year. Now, I know in our community, our eyes, we probably spend more time in the eye doctor's office than some of my um, my retina specialist and I. Um, I think we were dating for my first year and a half of seven surgeries that I had. I was seeing him every other week um, for a year. 
And um, now we only see each other every six months. So I asked him if he was mad at me because we're only seeing each other every six months. But um, he said, no, you're just doing that good. So it all depends on what's going on. So we have our mouth. Our mouth is seen by an ENT specialist. So right now, a lot of people are having um, allergies and coughing and sore throats and stuff like that. So make sure you talk to your doctor and stick out your tongue and make sure that there's nothing going on in there, as well as your dentist and your oral hygiene. So then we go down to your neck. Now, your neck may seem like it doesn't have a lot of information, but if you feel around the front of your neck and there's like a lump right there, yes, females and males, males have the Adam's apple, but there's a gland right there called the thyroid. And we want to keep an eye on that as we get older and make sure our thyroid is okay. But if you feel any lumps, bumps, or, you know, having a hard time swallowing, please communicate with your doctor. Again, we watch sports. We can't, we can't read your mind. Um, and then it just goes down the rest of your body. Um, your heart and your lungs is in your chest. So when you have chest pain, it may not, a lot of people don't realize that their lungs and the heart, it's hard to tell what's going on. So you always want to consider when you have shortness of breath or chest pain that you pay attention very close to your body because that could be a sign of a heart condition, uh, an, a pending heart attack or, you know, respiratory issues. And of course, there are lifestyles such as smoking and unhealthy diets that can influence the functions of those organs. And in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about lab work and what numbers are. Um, but it's very important to talk to the doctor that if you are, say, you're out riding your stationary bike or you're just going for a walk and you notice your heart changes, like, you know, you feel it doing a funky little dance, um, your heart functions in two ways. I mean, I'm sorry, your heart functions as a pump. And there's two things for your heart to work is electrical activity, which is called the heart rhythm. And Jay, I'm not going to stress you out and do a rhythm check. <laughs> and then the other one is the pump side. And that's actually when the heart contracts and pushes the blood out. So those numbers that we want to know about in the doctor's office is your heart rate and your blood pressure. So hopefully most of you guys are monitoring your heart rate and blood pressure when you go into CVS or Walgreens or most of any of your stores um, have blood pressure machines that you can sit down and take your blood pressure. But Jay and I are going to remind you, you want to sit there for at least 10 minutes before you push the button to check your blood pressure because there is a difference between a stand-up and a sit-down blood pressure. Um, normal numbers are 120 to 80. Um, for resting blood pressure. Heart rate for adults, normal is between 60 and 100 at rest. But again, your medications that you take, obesity or exercise can adjust that heart rate. Um, hey, Jay, do you know what the resting heart rate of Lance Armstrong is? No. It's 42. Wow. The reason why is because he's such an athlete. So the, the more athletic you are, your normal resting heart rate, because your heart is so more efficient with each contraction, it doesn't have to work so much. 
So that means every time it pushes out, a lot of blood comes out so it doesn't have to pump as much. When your heart muscle is getting weaker, generally your heart rate kicks up because it has to pump faster to get the same amount of work done. So, yeah, I had the honor of um, actually doing an EKG on Lance Armstrong. It was pretty amazing. Um, So that's the heart. Now, breathing is very important. And I could do uh, 12 months of talking about respiratory, but we won't do that. Um, I will teach you, basically, when you can't catch your breath, you can't take a deep breath, you need to really assess and get help. Because... If you stop breathing, you have less than four minutes to get help for your heart doesn't stop. And that's up to four minutes. Not knowing what your underlying baseline is, it may be just a couple of seconds. I'm a severe asthmatic. I have actually stopped breathing twice in my life. And I will tell you that everywhere that I go, I have an inhaler everywhere near me. So if I do get exposed to a trigger that bronchospasms, those are the airways of your lungs, when I immediately collapse them when I'm exposed to certain chemicals that I have a reaction to, and I will immediately stop breathing within a minute. So that's why if you ever have the opportunity, um, when we can be in live conferences, um, you will get to meet my service dog. He's a medical service dog. I've had him for five years, and he's my asthma service dog. So he helps me prevent me from being exposed to chemicals and smells and perfumes. Like, I, he won't let me on an elevator till he smells the elevator. Because there's no fun in riding in an elevator with me if it had just been cleaned or someone um, had heavy perfume. Uh, so on that note, Normal respiratory rate is, for an adult, anywhere between 8 to 14 breaths per minute. But if you're excited, of course, your respiratory rate is going to go up. And coughs. Oh, let me not get started about coughs. So when you have a cough, if you're not a smoker, well, I'll tell you a little secret about smokers. If you have a smoker in your life and they wake up in the morning and they have that really hacky, juicy cough, It's because one puff of a cigarette paralyzes your ciliary hair follicles that line the main trachea. Okay, what does that all mean, Jay? They're probably scratching, right? Did I? Yep. Okay, so the ciliary is these little hair-like follicles that line the trachea. So imagine having an automatic vacuum cleaner of of your lungs. And these hair follicles will just start waking up and they start moving the mucus up. So one puff of a cigarette paralyzes the ciliary function for 20 minutes. One puff of nicotine for 20 minutes. So that's why everyone may have heard of a smoker's cough is because by the time they lay down, they normally sleep between 6 to 10 hours. When they wake up, the ciliary motility... So that's just a fancy word saying the vacuum system, the self-cleaning system is awake and is moving all the tar and toxins and residue out of the lungs. And that's why they have that morning cough. And normally what the first thing a a smoker does is they go light up a cigarette and then their cough goes away. 
And now you know why, because one puff of a cigarette paralyzes the ciliary motility and it gets them to stop coughing. So if you have a loved one that you have tried and encouraged to stop smoking, and it's just, it's a very big challenge. And maybe I should do a call about that. You think that would be a good call, Jay? And don't forget, they're, you know, they're breathing in that smoke. They're exhalating. So then everybody else is getting secondhand smoke. Yeah. Maybe we should do a call about that. And there's thirdhand smoke. Which is on the walls, the furniture, the the clothing. Correct. So what Jay's talking about, that third-hand smoke, is nicotine. Um, I always, when I do um, smoking sensation or when I'm doing education for moms and dads of newborns, is I tell them, I'm not here to tell you to quit smoking. I'm just here to tell you how to help your baby have healthy lungs. And a smoker's jacket, everyone's like, oh, a smoker's jacket. Yeah, because the nicotine and smoke stays in your clothes. So if you have someone who's a non-smoker or especially children, because the lungs don't fully develop till the age of seven, you should always wash your hands and change your clothes. So that's why I recommend to my parents that they actually have a smoker's jacket and they hanging so that when they go outside, they put their smoking jacket on to cover their clothing. And then when they come in, they take it off. But I just say, put the money in a jar that you're going to spend for cigarettes and go on a family vacation in three months. But anyways, that's a great, I think I'll do that one time. We'll talk about smoking sensation because it's not an easy thing. And for any smoker out there, I feel for you. I did try smoking. Um, I was 13 years old after cheerleading practice and I took one puff of a cigarette And I ended up stopping breathing and intubated in the hospital and woke up the next day. So the good news is, is the 23 other girls that I cheered with, no one ever smoked again. And, um, but I know the challenges. I used to teach um, smoking sensation and it's not an easy habit to kick. Okay, so moving down from your lungs. So be aware of your cough. If you start coughing up things, Um, Your cough should be clear or white. That's normal phlegm. Oh, mucus. And, but if you see yellow, yellow is a sign of inflammation. So that's common for anybody who has um, allergies or you blow your nose and you get yellow. That's okay. That just means your basal cells have increased and you have a lot of white blood cells and it actually turns a little yellow from the inflammation. But if you get green, oh, Green is a sign of infection. That's when we need to talk about antibiotics and you have to see a doctor. If you see brown or blood, that is another indication you need to see the doctor because fresh blood is not a good sign. That's not normal unless you were digging for gold and accidentally went too far. I hope somebody laughed on that. Do you think somebody laughed about that, Jay? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So then there's brown. Now, brown is usually a representation of old blood, and that information is very important to us. And if you have any coughing of brown. Okay, so let's move on because, Jay, I will stay on lungs forever. Um, Then we have the stomach. It's important to know if you're having any reflux, um, GERD, gastric, um, esophageal reflux disease. That's always a fun one. 
Um, that's basically when you lay down and you get that burning sensation in your chest or you wake up with a metallic taste in your mouth. That usually means the gastric content has gone up your esophagus and you can get esophageal um, erosion. You can become what's called a GI bleeder, which is no fun, Jay, is it? No. Also, you want to, um, if your diet has changed, you know, if you did it on your own, did you change your diet? And what's going on with that then also? Exactly. Um, Has your appetite changed? The doctor wants to know, are you eating more? Are you eating less? And like Jay just said, you know, has your appetite changed? Or, Or as we all know with Corona, do you even have an appetite? And it's not normal for your appetite to change without a factor. So if you started a new medication, again, one of the side effects of medication can be changed in your appetite. And now that we are learning um, with corona, a loss of appetite and smell is a sign of one of the symptoms of corona. Anything else we need to add about the GI? So once we eat something and we produce it out, you know, we have that uh, flushing experience. Um, believe it or not, it's important to evaluate your stool to make sure that there's no blood or tar or anything like that, um, because that's a, a sign of bleeding. Also, it's important to know if you're regular and everyone's regular regularity is different from person to person. I'm a morning and evening girl. What about you, Jay? No comment on that one. <laughs> But the doctor's going to want to know if you're having problems, um, you know, having stools, or if you're on the opposite end, um, because there are different disease processes that are out there. And also, if you look at any medications that you're taking, the number one system that is affected is GI tract for a side effect. So it is very important to communicate about that. Then we have your other renal, um, you want to make sure you talk about your urine, if there's any smells, any discharge, um, anything like that. I wonder if anybody has taken a picture of their stool and contacted Be My Eyes. Ooh. (laughs) Yes, there has been. Oh, there has been. Oh, story. Do you have a story, Jay? No, I just know that there has been. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I'm Uh, single and I live alone. So I'm like, wow, if I have any problems, how am I going to handle this? (laughs) But I have friends. I'd probably just take a picture and say, hey. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So also if it wakes you up at night too. (gasps) Yes. Again, that's back to that sleeping. Um, If you're sleeping too much, sleeping too little, if you're getting up in the middle of the night to go to, um, release your kidneys to urinate. Um, It's not normal to be getting up that often unless, again, medication is playing a role. So any change in from the last time you saw the doctor to this time that you're seeing the doctor, we want to know. Also, you know, the swelling of your legs or your feet and your mobility and your balance. We want to know, are you having you know, hey, I kind of noticed I'm a little more wobblier or, you know, I used to be able to stand on one leg and put my pants on. Now I got to sit down and put my pants on. Yeah, that's fun. They don't tell you that when you lose your vision. And um, 
you know, just anything that changes. And I'm going to tell you right now, and Jay, back me up. I'm going to ask you, is there ever been something that your patient told you that you got mad at them for telling you? Exactly. Never. Never. We want to know everything. The more information, the better. The more information, the better. And that does include, believe it or not, if your libido changes, because unfortunately, there are some medications and some disease processes that can affect your libido. So if you have something going on in that part of your life, we want to make sure it's healthy and ask us and tell us, just say, you know what? I used to be this way and now I'm not so much. And that is such an important thing to talk to us about. So Jay, how did we do? Should we just give them plain questions of what to ask or how are we doing on time? I have no idea. One second. It's 825. Okay, perfect. Like we, you know, like we said last time, make sure you get your sheet together, your vitamins. So when you go to that doctor, he can look at that or the nurse was when you go to the doctor that doctor the nurse is going to look at the she- medication sheet she's going to input it in into the computer when she takes your blood pressure she's going to input that into the computer um and if do- they don't give it to you when you go to check in ask them to print you out their current medication list that they have for you And, of course, this is your primary doctor we're talking about now because he's the head coach of your medical team. Remember, you're the most valuable player. So, unfortunately, you got to keep up with everybody. But if you don't like what's going on, like Jay said earlier, you're fired. You don't have to stay with the doctor that you have. If you feel that he's not listening to you, if you feel he's not paying enough time with you, like my number one thing when I'm recommending a patient to a new doctor, if they're asking me, you know, what do you think about this doctor? I always say, well, how do you feel about waiting rooms? And if they're like, oh, no, I like to come in and leave and, you know, my doctor better be on time and blah, blah, blah. Then I will tell them, I said, well, my doctor, sometimes I go in the to see him and it would be two to three hours before I get to them. And they're like, oh, I wouldn't stay. And I said, but you don't understand. The reason why the doctor is late is because he had to deal with either an emergency or there's something that came up with another patient that made him needing to focus on that patient a little bit longer and understanding that sometimes things come up and you have to be understandable. Now this telemedicine, I'm loving it. I told my primary doctor, I'm like, I'm so glad we got through all the legislation five years ago and pushed all this telemedicine through because now while I'm waiting in your waiting room, I've done two loads of laundry. I've washed my dishes. I like this telemedicine. Jay, how do you feel about telemedicine? I think it's good in some ways. In other ways, I think it's, it needs that the, uh, the patient still needs to be seen. Yes. And what we're, what, what, what the trends are and looking at the research, um, it's going to become a hybrid hybrid world where um because i did talk to i'm a florida blue girl and we were because that's very big in florida um i don't know across the united states but we were talking about it um about five years ago and we were establishing legislation and we got it all passed it's been about 20 years we've been working on telemedicine and 
the research has proven that if you have more than one to two hours of transportation that issues you had to overcome, you were more likely to cancel your appointment. So that's how we got all the telemedicine. Um, all this telemedicine that we're experiencing now, it wasn't like we flipped the switch in February and March to make it happen. It had been already in the works. So definitely for your annuals, um, um, and there's other procedures that you just have to go to the doctor's office. But I think those in-between visits um, is very helpful. Um, I don't know if others are having experience with it. Mine has a video and I laugh. I'm like, so you get to see me and I don't get to see you. <laughs> and he laughs about it. So there are some times where I'm like, yeah, I, hit, I fell the other day and I hit my elbow. Can you take a look at it? And I can actually, it's like being my eyes, but with my doctor and he'll look at it and he's like, no, that looks good. You've been doing good with your tea tree oil and your neosporin and, you know, it looks good um, type thing. But I do know um, I've not figured out how to send my eyes in to my retina specialist to look at them. And of course, there's certain procedures that us women have to do. Like, I don't know what a, what would a mammogram look like at home? you know, <laughs> or, or our other gynecological um, visits. I don't want to try to do that at home, but there are different tests that we can do from home. And um, it's just so important to talk to your team. And even though in this time that we are remote, talk to us, even though we're across on a computer or the phone, you know, just talk to us. And it's so important that once you get to see the doctor, once you get your heart rate, your blood pressure, um, I know a challenge is, is knowing what our weight is, but it's so important to keep track of your weight if you're losing weight or gaining weight. Um, I know we're all on a Corona weight gain program, um, and most of us are on the Corona weight loss program. And um, what we need to do is keep an eye on what's called the BMI, which is best body mass index. And I like those numbers a lot better. They're a lot smaller because it's based on height, weight, combination formula. But I, Jay and I are not going to torture you with that formula. Are we, Jay? No. Okay. <laughs> That's not what we're here to speak about. <laughs> right. So, but those are important things. And like Jay mentioned earlier, it is so important that the doctor knows of any kind of thing you're adding to your diet, minerals, supplements. Um, I know Haley does an excellent job with her essential oils. Um, if you're adding um, certain herbs, I know some people use cinnamon to help with their glucose level. Um, that's an no important number to know. And it's so important to know any kind of supplements that you've added. Um, your doctor may or may not agree for you to take them, but they need to be aware because we are now learning um, some interactions with, um, I know St. John's Wort interacts with oh, one of the cardiac meds. I can't think of which one. Do you know, Jay? I can't remember. No, I don't. Not right yeah. off the bat. But it's so important to talk to your doctor. And everybody's so, different too. Yes. Very good. Yes. very. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, Jay and I can take an aspirin and I could have a different effect than he has just off of aspirin. So that's why it's so good to talk to your medical team and establish that reputation. 
The other thing I want to talk about is um, your numbers. Don't ever let a doctor just say, yeah, your labs look good. Mm, no. If you're the most valuable player on a football team or baseball team, you want to know what your numbers are because you want to make sure that you're in the good good. So the numbers that are important to know are your glucose. Um, you know, if you did a fasting glucose, it should be 60 to 120. Now, you don't have to memorize all these numbers. What you want to ask the doctor is, can you talk to me about my albumin level? Albumin is a protein that's in your blood, and it can actually, well, I don't want to go into what albumin does, because then we'll get into my chemistry, and oh boy, Jay, you'll have to pull me out. Um, code red, code red. And um, But it's important to ask what your numbers are, because something might be teetering towards the abnormal and the doctor is so used to just flying through and saying, Oh, everything's okay. And I was having some symptoms. And even though I live in Florida, I was having symptoms of vitamin D deficiency and vitamin D deficiency is not a very common lab work to do. So I do recommend if anybody is um, diabetic or dealing with depression um, please have your medical team check your vitamin D level. Even though I live in Florida and I'm outdoors a lot, I am considered vitamin D insufficient and I'm taking supplements for it. And we still Especially can't get if you're it. indoors a lot. Yes. And right now a lot of us are indoors. And um, your vitamin D should be 30 or above. But um, even with my supplements that I've been on for a year, um, I'm still in the low 20s. So now we're taking it to the next step to figure out why my body, because vitamin D is not something you eat um, that generates it. It's actually your body's reaction to the sun. And so, yeah. So just know that um, talk if to you, your talk to up, your team. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're up north, you probably do need uh, vitamin, uh, vitamin D. Yes. And sometimes a one a day, a good one a day, um, vitamin will be sufficient for you. But again, um, I try not to encourage people to go to the internet for information, but American Heart Association, um, the associations are really good about numbers and telling you what to do and what to ask. But you do want to be careful of what you hear on the internet. And <laughs> right, Jay? <laughs> yes. You can, get some, you can get some very strange opinions. <laughs> yeah, because in the medical field, we are, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, we, we are the worst people to be patients because uh, we don't have migraines. We have TIAs, which is our trans-ischemic attack, um, or <laughs> we're... Um, you know, it's it's always the big ones because we see the zebra versus the white horse standing behind or the black horse standing behind the fence. Um, I hear we have a hand up. Um, Jay, before we go to questions and answer, was there possibly anything else you wanted to add? And we'll take questions from here on out. No, I think we'll take questions. OK, Dan, I heard somebody raise their hand. OK, Sharon, you can unmute. Hi. Hi, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? Hello. Good. I had a couple of questions, sort of procedure questions. Um, 
lately I've been noticing when I call for a doctor's appointment and I'm even sorry. before, um, can you repeat that? You kind of faded out on me. I'm sorry. Um, I've been noticing lately, even before the pandemic began, that if I call for an appointment, I'm more apt to get the nurse practitioner than the doctor. And oh. sometimes I find, well, let me finish. Um, sometimes I find that okay. And sometimes I don't. And uh, this, I just had a physical with my nurse practitioner and set up one for next year. And I insisted on having the doctor. Um, and the other thing that I'm noticing is that part of the questionnaire that they're asking now is mental health stuff. Uh, you know, are you depressed? Are you anxious? Blah, blah, blah. And I personally find that offensive to be going through with a physician assistant. Um, it just seems a little over, overreaching to me. And I just wondered if you had any comments on that. Thank you. Well, Sharon, first of all, thank you so much for being here with us and bringing those two questions sure. up. Um, the nurse practitioner or the physician assistant is truly an extension of the head coach. So if you know any teams, but it's football season, so let me explain how this works. Think of the doctor as the head coach, but you have your defensive line coach and your offensive line coach, and you have all these different coaches that are gathering specific information. So a lot of times a physician group will work on a situation where you have a um, nurse assistant take your vital signs, then they'll write it and document it either on paper or computer. And then if you're checked in as a well check or a follow-up or something, you may get the nurse practitioner or PA. You may not truly see the doctor because he might be sitting in his office evaluating all the data that's being brought up or being the coach that's sitting up on top with his headphones and seeing the whole football field um, type thing. But I love what you said, Sharon. You did not feel comfortable and you wanted to see your doctor because that's who you have gained your trust with. So you asked, when you make your appointment, you say, I want to see Dr. So-and-so. And when that occurred, it triggers the receptionist to make that appointment for you, okay? But just know that you might get a delay in time or they might not be seeing certain patients at a certain time. But I do want you to try to see if you can establish a trusting relationship with that PA or nurse practitioner because if you have an intimate, strong relationship and trust with your doctor, he's not going to hire someone to be his an extension. And there's nothing that that nurse practitioner or physician assistant can do without talking to the doctor. So they do have that tight relationship. And unfortunately, due to our healthcare, and Jay might be able to add something to this, is everything about numbers. And there are some doctors that in order to stay part of your HMO um, you have to see so many patients in so much period yes. of time, and they're only allowed maybe 10 minutes. Well, you can't, you see that we've only talked already for 40 minutes, and think of all the questions. So what they have done is create the team to help them gather that information. I hope that helped answered you. Regarding mental, um, because of everything that's happened in our society and our culture, realizing that mental illness has been a part of our lives that was not spotlighted. So I think it was in 2010 
Joint Commission, which is the federal government and all the accreditations to be a physician or be a be a hospital and stuff, we had to include two major things. One is pain scale. So you'll always hear people saying, so what's your pain from zero to 10? And zero being the lowest and 10 being the greatest. You'll hear us wanting you to give us a number. But mental illness due to helping prevent, and I'm just going to say it, shootings, stabbings, you know, um, riots, um, suicide, all those situations that it's a permanent solution to a temporary situation. Those situations are in the moment that people may have not had the tools or the support to get them through that moment. And it's so important that we embrace mental um, status as not as a voodoo thing to throw in the closet, but we need to talk about it and be like, I'm doing okay today. I'm doing good because we need to treat it as part of our whole health. So our health is our mind, body, and spirit. And it's important to know that if you are depressed, that you there's evidence-based research that proves that you can have issues with chronic disease processes. I don't know if you guys, if anyone attends Judy's call on Wednesday earlier in the day, I think it's at one, where she's talking about healing touch and the energy levels. Um, that's very interesting how Eastern medicine and Western medicine are joining together to help embrace mind, body, and spirit. Um, the other thing is, is with cancer, a lot of the cancer centers, and um, I have worked with cancer patients and dealt with cancer in my family, um, the whole mind, body, and spirit aspect is very, very been engraved in the surviving cancer in the last 30 years. So I hope that helped answer your question, Sharon, um, to understand we're not being pokey. We're not trying to be, um, you know, into your business. We just want to focus on improving your quality of life and have you live the healthiest life you want to be. Jay, is there anything you want to add to Sharon's questions? What's to say, like, if you're worried about something, it can actually cause other illnesses also. Just so you're, you know, and that's one of the reasons why they ask some of those other questions. So, um, Sharon, did that answer your question or do you have a follow up? Oh, I think she muted herself. Is she still here? I, I'm all set. Thank you so much. Okay. But did that help answer your question? Yes. Did that thank help you very get... much. Thank okay. you. Okay. okay. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks okay. for coming. Any hands risen, Dan? Yes, we have a hand raised from Melody. Melody, hey, thanks for being here tonight. Oh, it let me unmute. I had to click over to another call for a second. I have problems. Um, back to the mental health aspect. Um, I have not had a primary care doctor in over a year, and it's ironic you're doing the call tonight because I have an appointment tomorrow morning. And I'm noticing I had to go to the ER last Sunday, and I went twice before because I'm getting ridiculously high blood pressure and heart rate. And I have constant migraines and uh, chest pains frequently. Um, I had gone, and they didn't really take me seriously. They said, your labs are good. They wouldn't tell me any of the numbers, and they just want to see 
my mental health conditions in the system. Oh, there's your schizophrenia, there's your OCD, there's your bipolar. Well, I'm not denying I don't have any of those things. But I survived bacterial pneumonia and COVID-19, and go RTs, the respiratory therapist, saved my life. I was in ICU. Um, and I, something is going on physically, and no one is seeming to hear what I'm saying. And I, I'm not saying it's 100% not stress and anxiety. I know it is. Um, but there's something more, and I have my own monitor, my VP monitor, and my Apple Watch that can tell me the heart rate and blood oxygen level and things. And I'm getting readings that I never thought were possible. And you might say, go right now. You know, I had a 165 of over 110 BP earlier and a 114 heart rate. I'll get 160 heart rates. But I did. I went Sunday, and they wouldn't even cab me back home. My mom had to come and get me. So, so I'm going to hold on till tomorrow morning. And I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I say thank you for sharing us your differential diagnosis of your past. But what is so important is is data points. So all those records you have with those technology, um, I because I'm a diabetic, I use a continuous glucose monitor. Um, I have the Freestyle Libre, so all my stuff is um, continuously tracked. I'm not familiar familiar with all the different apps up there of tracking your heart rate and all that. Do you have a data trend? Is there like a log book or something like that that you can show the doctor team tomorrow? I could probably pull up my health app to show them the, um, the data there. I don't have like a log book that I can write things in. I would no, need no, no, someone no. to do it what for I, me. What I mean is, is when you're looking at the app, if you go under menus, there should be something that is either titled logbook or um, vital sign tracks or trends. Um, that's the kind of stuff you want to show your doctor team tomorrow. And I am so excited to hear that after a year, you're going to see and, and get your new um, head coach for you because you are the most valuable player. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Every one of us, the only person that has spent more time with your body is nobody else but you. And if you sense there's something wrong, then there's something wrong. And you tell your team, you tell your head coach, there's something wrong. We need to evaluate this. And you just talk to them. And then if they doesn't work out, if they're not listening, then you call your insurance company and you go look for another head coach. And yes. unfortunately... Yeah, Jay, what else? Is there anything else? Also, make sure that you write down where you went to the ER at. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, I've got my discharge. Make sure you bring bring that paperwork. Because when you have as much information as possible for them, so that way they can evaluate it. Yeah, my doctors make fun of me because I don't trust doctor's offices faxing to each other. So I always carry my notebook with me. So I have a binder. It's real cheap. Everybody knows I love the Dollar Tree. I need to get them to be my sponsor. And you just go get a photo album book or, you know, it's school time. Go get a binder and just keep all your all your records. And when you were having these high blood pressures and heart rates, what were you doing at the time? Sitting, resting, laying in bed. 
um, fooling around with okay. my phone. You know, just you, what I'm saying is, you need to write that down because if you, if someone would look at that, if I would just look at that, okay, were you were you exercising? Were you doing? Were you running? Were you in stress at that time? Did you just get a phone call saying your dog passed away or something? I don't know. You know, so knowing what was going on at the time really helps. And some of the apps now have a um, patient um, edit or patient um, record or... Like on my experience, I can go in and type a note so that when I do pull up my records or my doctor goes into my app, he can see, oh, well, her sugar went from 108 to 310 because she rode, you know, her stationary bike for an hour. So those numbers are irrelevant if we don't know what's going on at the time. Thank you, Jay. Or what's to say, like, somebody has a seizure condition. What triggered that seizure? Was there a loud noise? Was there uh, was there flashing lights? Was there different other things? You know, what triggered it? Does that help you for tomorrow? It definitely does. Okay, so I want you to make sure you take, is this your first time with this doctor? Yes. Okay, I want you to take the biggest... Um, Ziploc bag or bag that you have, make sure you put every single thing that you do for yourself in that bag, such as any supplements, any medications, anything, because going to the doctors for the first time is more information you take, right, Jay, the better you'll be. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll try to get on that right now. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to help, and thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing. Any more hands, Dan? Yes, we have a phone number ending in 638. Okay. 638, please. Hello there, Terry. Oh, hi. Who is this? This is Beth. Oh, hey, Beth. How's the weather in New Mexico? Oh, it's pretty good. Um. First of all, these um, I I like my doctor. I'd rather have a man doctor though than a than a lady because she's just a nurse practitioner. But um, I and then I was going to ask you the um, in these MCOs, what is what is the the point of even having a care coordinator if they don't do anything for you? Okay, so... I don't even know why they have to have MCOs anyway. Well, (laughs) don't get me started on our whole method of um, insurance industry and who's really driving our medical care. Right, Jay? Yes. Um, And then... It's the insurance company. I don't... Yeah. I know. So let's start with uh, the first two... Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, Beth. Um, so oh. let's talk about that you would rather have a male interaction on your medical team. So is yeah. your pri- is so your nurse practitioner is female. Is your primary doctor yeah. a male? No. Uh, no. Okay. She was female. She was female too, but she was from Nigeria, and so she was cool. Okay, Jay, you were going to say something. You can always switch. Exactly. Al- There's not that many doctors in this little town. Okay, so what you can do is um, your 
communicate with your, unfortunately, your insurance company and tell them your situation. And because of telemedicine right now, you may actually get to expand your world for uh, during this telemedicine. Because as I said, just like with ACB um, conferences and having all this Zoom, I really don't see us ever getting rid of it that will be hybrid. And that's where medicine is heading to as a hybrid world. So you may be able to get a team of male physicians, um, but just understand that everyone is human first and just talk to us. And your care coordinator, all I have to say about care coordinators is they're are human first. There are some excellent care coordinators out there. And then there's others that I don't know why they have the job they have. And everyone, everyone has a boss, Beth. So if you feel you're not being heard by your care coordinator, you just ask to talk to her supervisor, her, her lead. There is always a boss on top of a boss and just keep going up the chain till you're heard. That's true. And you can always switch MCOs anyway, huh? Yes, you have the power. I don't to like switch. MCOs. Well, um, that's, that's because a I whole, feel that's a whole debate. They're not your mama. <laughs> you know, they're not your mama, and they're not your keeper, and they think they are. Well, that is a whole nother probably call we should do about. But the most important thing is, is you have to look at your choices you have, and you have more than one choice. And like Jay said. If you don't like what's going on, you change. And we are in October, yeah. so this is the time. If you don't like your right. medical care team, your Medicaid, Medicare team, switch. Now's the time to switch. And also, I guess one of the reasons I don't like my, um, well, it's not that I don't like her, the nurse practitioner, she doesn't think that I should go see a neurologist and i have had a seizure disorder in the past and uh, she thinks she can handle it on her own i apologize for cutting you off i just get really excited and passionate when i hear that she is a nurse practitioner she has she works with a medical doctor so you again communicate with your care coordinator and they want you to have the quality of life because they don't want you to have a seizure there. And so it's interesting. We can have this whole discussion about preventative care versus acute care or responsive care. Jay was in the world of responsive care. That's what paramedics are. You have a seizure, the paramedics come on and they treat you. The ER team treats you. But when you have established a relationship with your primary doctor, they should be more on the preventative side of things. So that's why it's so important that the littlest thing of, you know, I've kind of noticed in the last month my hair is thinning because that's an early symptom or sign of something changing. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't like what's going on with your with your team, well, what do you do? You fire them and you find the team that's going to listen to you and respect you because you're the most valuable player and you need somebody who's going to listen to you and work with you. So you have the highest quality of life because you only have one life to live. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, it seems like these doctors in this little town don't. And I know you can do a lot by telemedicine and that's good, but they don't seem to respect 
I don't know. They like that book. All they, all they can see is when that you can't. Well, I'm just here to tell you that New Mexico is a state of the United States, and they have <laughs> boards. They have medical boards and all this stuff. So you might just need to go up the chain. They should have a community clinic or community medicine. There is someone out there that's going to take care of you, Beth, and be your team yeah. member. You just got to find them. Mm-hmm. Jay, do you have any input on that? I just want to let you, you know let you know that every paramedic is governed by a doctor. Whatever any paramedic does, we're supervised by a doctor, just like a practical a nurse does. Yeah, Everybody- so a, a nurse practitioner and a physician assistant. They cannot. They can do certain things on their own. But they're governed by a an a medic a physician a doctor, so somebody always has a boss. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just gets exhausting um, sometimes. But again, you're the most valuable player, and you have to be your self advocate, and just don't stop till you get what you need to have a high quality of life. Thanks for sharing, Beth. I hope that helped you. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it did help me. Awesome. Dan, what time is it, and how many hands do we have raised? It just turned nine. Okay. Do we have any more hands risen? No, there are no hands raised. So now I want to say thank you, ACB, for streaming us, and I hope everyone had an enjoyable doctor's visit. We look forward to seeing you next week when we talk about links to links, ABC links, and resources. Again, you can go to email me at travelrescuewoman at gmail.com. The email is on my description and have a fabulous week. Thank you, Desiree, Dan, and Jay for being part of my team tonight. Have a great one.